defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? It is another episode of the Bird Protocol podcast. It is your host, Palm Reader, and uh, and his pal Otis. Otis, did you know I have a theory? What's what's your theory? It's about feds. They're a lot um, like mushrooms. Okay. You, f- you feed them shit and keep them in the dock. This is the Departed podcast, Ooh. and I am so excited to get into this movie because it very well might be my favorite Scorsese movie um, and my favorite Mark Wahlberg, uh, 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 Mark Wahlberg role, my favorite Leo role, maybe. Um, we got, yeah, we got Marky Marks. We got the Leo Dio. We got the Maddie Damons. We got the Jackie Nicks. We got the Marty Sheens. We yeah. got the Anthony Andes. We got everybody. Ray Winstone. Alec Baldwin, and and they're Ooh. all firing on like Alec Baldwin. They're all batting like perfect games. They're going one hundred and ten percent in yeah. on this movie. It's Marty Scorsese at his most. Uh, yeah, it's one of Martin Scorsese's greatest documentaries about the city of Boston. <laughs> Fantastic, I loved it. Um, it's, it's just a fly on the wall of, you know, the, uh, the everyday dealings of the uh, Massachusetts uh, state troopers, you know, shout outs to the Commonwealth. Actually, I'm really stoked we're talking about some Commonwealth stuff because, you know, I've been playing <laughs> Fallout 4, which takes place in the post-apocalyptic Commonwealth. So we're here to talk about the men that rule the current Commonwealth. I got to ask you a question about Fallout. Are there giant mutated rats uh not rats but there's giant mole like mole monsters rodents rodents yes uh, so see, there I is was, a, there is a giant rodent of some kind i was yeah. hoping that lots, lots of rat. giant crab the crabs are off the chain there's lots of them and uh, well boston is a seaside yeah. town um yeah clam chowder ah all right no but for real uh, this movie is a banger. It is probably my favorite Scorsese film. Um, it is a, it is uh, it is not a perfect film. There are issues uh, with editing. It's sloppy at times. Some yeah. continuity mistakes, um, and some of the, and like they're all in Boston, but some of them have accents and some of them don't. Some of them nah, just give up their accent it. halfway through the movie. Um, yeah, forget about it. But on a on like you know, you, there's cases to be made. Some people prefer older Scorsese. Some people prefer stuff more recent, like Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but you know what? To me, this movie distills pretty much everything that Scorsese did beforehand, including yeah. Gangs of New York. Um, and it distills down like his greatest hits. And then sauces it up and makes his version of like a action thriller blockbuster. And it's Mm -hmm. infused with his DNA. And there's so many little things and smart moves that he makes. And he calls back certain, you know, choices that he's made or stylistic kind of moves that he is known for while also uh, adapting 
um, Infernal Affairs and the storyline of that and making it the American version. And then you've got the Which stack. Which is kind of a side note, kind of a shout out to our previous month of episodes, which was, you know, dedicated to a Japanese film. And, you know, and we did The Matrix, which, you know, was clearly, you know, just paying homage to so many different Japanese things. This movie, you know, sort of takes, you know, the Hong Kong crime thriller, which Hong Kong crime movies are like on another yeah, fucking level. Awesome. Like, like American crime films like are really heightened, like in like Scorsese crime films, Michael Mann, Safdie Brothers, like they make really high tension crime films. In Hong Kong, that's just how their crime films are. They're just fucking bonkers constantly. So Yeah, if you haven't seen Infernal Affairs and you're a fan of The Departed, I highly recommend you watch all three uh, Infernal Affairs films. um, It's very similar to uh, um, what happens in The Departed. Of course, Scorsese does his thing, brings it over to Boston, um, and then you have, yeah, the stacked cast, everybody just absolutely killing it. Some of my favorite, um, this film does twists really well. It, it, it really, uh, keeps you on your toes a lot of the time and it moves at a really good pace before we started recording. Otis said, you know, this is a breezy two and a half hours to oh, watch. Easy. It, it, easy. You, yeah. And like. Sure, there is a lot going on, and the plot, like, can be, like, on paper, it seems kind of hard to follow, but, like, it's really not. Like, it's, maybe maybe, maybe I'm speaking out of pocket because I've seen this movie, like, fucking ten times, like, or more. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, it's just a really easy, just good watch. And, like, there's a clat, like, uh, it's, like, every... 20 minutes there's like the greatest line you've ever heard even like, less it's like every 10 minutes there's like an interaction that is either just so scorsese gangster gangsterfied like, like sick like you know real one-liner type yeah. stuff or there's some smart dialogue or there's something funny this this yeah. film one like, of the things that works is how kind of something oh yeah how's your mother uh uh todd from fucking my father um (laughs) uh yeah this movie has like funny interactions and and kind of tongue-in-cheek humor at times and it's also bombastic like it's weird to me to look at jack nicholson's character and the way that he's acting versus leo who is delivering like he honestly feels like at any moment he might just kill himself in that movie. Like he seems like he is so like stressed and anxious and losing his mind the whole time. And then there's Jack Nicholson waving around a severed hand, quoting John Lennon. Like it's the weirdest dichotomy of characters and the way it's a fake dick to jack off in like a (laughs) porno theater. Like relax. I own the place. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, yeah, you're one of everybody in this movie is just doing their like most buck. Like, I believe Leo is two minutes away from pulling a gun out and putting a bullet through his own fucking head. I believe Jack Nicholson is 100% a fucking insane just gang leader that would psychopath. 
yeah, just do vile things. Like he is essentially the human Joker in this movie, and his character is, you know, it people, you know, it's very clear. It's based on Whitey Bulger, the, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess, legendary. What's what's the word? I'm uh the the, the, the infamous the, from the infamous uh, Winter Hill Gang in Boston. You know, if you want to watch, learn about that, go watch Black Mass. It's a pretty decent movie, but. You know, he's crazy. I believe Matt Damon's a piece of shit. I believe Mark Wahlberg might actually fuck my mom in this movie. I believe Alec Baldwin might actually shoot me and yell at me and fuck my mother. I believe every character in this movie might fuck my mother if they say so. (laughs) Um, So we should say, uh, you know, this is a hard R rated film. um, And there are some parts that we're going to talk about that, uh, there's some colorful language. This film is depicting Boston um, uh, for the, better. The or worst f- of the worst of the most to- this. We're talking about the most toxic of masculinity here. We're talking about like big Boston homophobes. So you're going to get a lot of queers. Yeah. Okay. There's going to be a whole lot of queers that bashing by the characters, not by us. By yeah, the characters. I might have to bleep that out. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, some slurs. Uh, we'll do our best to uh, walk around it's the Boston. It's this is. Remember when Matt Damon had that interview like a year ago, where he was like, "Yeah, I just realized, you know, the f word was kind of bad to say." Well, this movie <laughs> takes place 15 years before that realization. So, okay, it's. I'm, yes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not I'm saying not, any of this is good. I'm just saying that's what's happening, okay? Yeah. And I actually have a giant theory regarding all of this and why there is so much homophobia yes, the, in the, this movie. There is, uh, n- n- and this is a theory that has been postulated by other people. I actually looked into it after you sent me the text I, about I, it. I looked, yeah, I Googled it too, and it turned out I'm not the only one. So. No, there there is some stuff in there about it, but yes, there are some, uh, there is some colorful language. There are going to be references of violence uh, and corruption and all that stuff. And with everything going on in the world right now, uh, if you don't know about this movie um, and you're just listening and things are a little bit, uh, a little bit rough in the world right now, maybe, you know, skip this one, come back. But if you love the departed, we're going to talk about it and we're going to really get into it. Um, I'll break down the, uh, the, the information about this 2016 American epic crime thriller film directed by Marty. 2006. Sorry. Did I say 2016? It did. My bad. I'm, (laughs) I forgot how old this is. 2006 American epic crime thriller film directed by Martin Scorsese, written by William Monaghan. It is both a remake of the 2002 Hong Kong film Internal Affairs and also loosely based on the real-life Boston Winter Hill Gang. Um, uh, The film stars Leo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga, Alec Baldwin, uh, Anthony Anderson, um, and, uh, oh yeah, uh, Mark Wahlberg's other brother, uh, that, that nobody knows about. He's in it briefly. Uh, and then a bunch of other people, like there's tons of people in this movie, um, that, and they all do a great job. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the film is, uh, pretty much about, uh, uh, Irish mob, Irish mob boss, Frank Costello, uh, played, um, to, uh, a, uh, 
level of insanity that is actually kind of scary at times, uh, but also kind of funny and weird uh, by Jack Nicholson. I mean, I guess that's what you would expect from Jack Nicholson. He is. Um, yeah. Yeah. As you said, he's like the I- real life Irish Joker. Um, Pretty there, much. There is yeah. a point point in this film where he throws handfuls of cocaine onto a bed and then tells a woman to roll around until she can't feel anything and then stands there covered in cocaine, staring at her like he wants to stab her in the face. It's really wild. Um, but then there's also a part where he waves, as I said, waves around a severed hand and t- quotes John Lennon. And the he looks all wacky and wild with his thinning hair out everywhere. And he's got some funny lines. And and he it's, he's, it's just such a weird and complex character that he acts to a T. Um... And uh, and he has uh, groomed a young boy from uh, from the neighborhood um, uh, named Colin Sullivan, played by Matt Damon. Uh, Frank has groomed him from a young man to uh, and followed him until he becomes uh, becomes a state police officer. And Which, uh, I, I noticed something. This is the first time I noticed it. But in that opening scene where like he's like introducing himself to young Sullivan that the kid that plays Sullivan looks more like a young Mark Wahlberg than he looks like a young, uh, Matt Damon. Uh, I, I was actually going to say how much I think that they look alike, especially at the end. Um, when, when, well, we'll get to, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, And at the same time, so he's he's groomed this uh, young boy, followed him through his years of uh, of being a um, uh, a recruit, and uh, and making his way into the special investigations unit, uh, led by Captain Ellerby, um, and uh, and that would be Captain Ellerby is is that Ellerby? Oh yeah, that's Baldwin. That's yeah, Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Captain Ellerby is Baldwin or Queenan. Queenan is. Um, Martin Sheen. Um, yeah, that's Sheen. Mark Wahlberg's Dignam. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was just and, the captains. Oh, I was just confused about yeah. the captains. So at the oh, same time... A, here's a quick thing that I also realized about the names is that, uh, like, look at the three main characters. Like, Leo is playing Costigan. Matt Damon's Sullivan. And then Jack Nicholson is Costello. So, like you can like rearrange those names. Like if you combine basically Costello and Sullivan, you get Costigan. Huh? Yeah. And those are like the three characters sort of, uh, you know, weaving back and forth between the, uh, the lines of good and evil. Yes. This film is very morally murky uh, and deals a lot with guilt Catholic guilt, something Martin Scorsese seems to wear on his back like a cross. Um, Which this one isn't, it's not as like overt. Like, I think this one's not as much Catholic guilt as it is just like moral duty as of like a police officer. And like, you know, I think being being from Boston and Irish, it's, it's automatically I mean, the film is. Called yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's definitely they, like there, but it's not as like Oh, it's not silence, you know. Yeah, it's not like (laughs) silence. It's not gangs of New York, you know. It's not even, it's not even like Goodfellas. Like at least Goodfellas, a large portion of it was like the sort of conflict of him marrying a Jewish woman. 
as well. Like that was in there as well. Whereas like this, it doesn't really ever touch on, you know, Catholic, you know, like morality stuff like head on. But yeah, but by proxy of it just being in Boston, yes, you just uh, specifically have to south, things. specifically south Boston and the stuff about. Yeah. Costigan's family and all that. I think that it's, and also even like the Irish mob and and Colin Sullivan being a spy within the police and all this stuff. Like, I, I you're right that it's more about kind of like the murkiness of morality and corruption and like, and that kind of stuff. But I think that it's also about you know, I think that there is an aspect of guilt to all of his films. Like, I think that it's just yeah. there under you know in threaded through the kind of dialogue of the films that he he creates uh, and i think ah shit i was trying to think if there was any uh but, but like church scenes which i don't think there is a church but there is a funeral scene so there's two funeral yeah. scenes three funeral scenes yeah um but anyway, anyway so at the same oh, yeah. time you have uh state trooper billy costigan jr uh he is played by uh, uh excellently by leonardo dicaprio who's approached by captain queen and martin sheen and staff sergeant uh dignam played by mark Wahlberg, and uh he is um kind of urged to go undercover and and, and use his family ties his uncle being jackie uh, Costigan, who was part of uh, Costello's gang, um, and uh, and had a reputation as a prominent gangster and mobster, would give him credibility with Costello. So they they kind of set him up to go in and go under. Um, he served some time in jail, and uh, and then eventually joins Costello's crew. Now this film is. Um, this again, as Otis said, writing it down, it seems really complicated, but it's pretty much. Um, you know, the, there are, uh, uh, mirror characters, um, uh, Matt Damon's Colin Sullivan versus, uh, Billy Costigan, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, kind of different ends of the police spectrum. Uh, and, and I would say that Queenan, um, uh, Costello and, uh, Captain Ellerby are all kind of like, but more so Queen and Costello are kind of like separate ends or mirrors of the kind of like boss. Person. Yeah, like Costello is like the ultimate evil, whereas Queenum is the ultimate good. And then like, you know, the more you kind of like reach in, like then you got like French is a little less evil than, well, he's still evil than, you know then well uh, i think Costello, I, and then dignum you know he's a little less good he's a little dirtier than queen i mean you know there's kind of like but they're all like this entire um it's a venn diagram essentially like it's yeah. not a line it's very it's a venn diagram yeah it's a, it's like a <laughs> cloud, of, cloud of probability or something like it's like you could yeah it'd be you could chart out like this all the characters in this movie and like based on their allegiances you could like create a, a chart you could chart this out and you could have basically leo and matt damon are basically the exact same person but just the inverse they're yeah. just the inverse like the, he's just dark link 
Like yeah. Matt Matt Damon's just dark Leo. And I think that a lot of I think that a lot of that is even within the film, this kind of like issue of morality is discussed. I mean, there's the scene in the start with with Costello speaking to Sullivan saying, you know, they used to say the church used to say you could grow up and be a cop or be a criminal. I'm saying when you're staring at the at the barrel of a loaded gun, what's the difference? Um, And, you know, when Costigan goes to. Uh, speak with um, Vera Farmiga's uh, Madeline, um, I forget what her last, Madeline Madden. Um, she plays a psychiatrist who works with police officers and uh, with with um, felons. And, uh, and she, their conversations are a lot about, you know, he views her as she's trying to do good, but he says, you know, do you lie? Have you ever lied? And then there's the part, the, the very uh, well done scene of, you know, two two pills of valium why don't you give me a bottle of scotch and a and a pistol and i can blow my brains out right now and as he's leaving he said well what if that was well what if i wasn't joking what if that was a real threat and she's conflicted about you know what to do like there's this movie there's a lot of like conflicting morality honestly it's kind of the one thing about it this movie that kind of sucks is that vera formica character is just like She's her character is just kind of there, like she doesn't really have much. Because like that whole scene of where Leo goes to therapy, like Leo's just walking all over her, and it's like, where does he have like this to just like, you know, like, wouldn't you be able to? I I would assume that you know a a psychiatrist would probably be able to read a situation better. Like even the last (laughs) comment of after he leaves. And she finally gives him a bunch of pills. And she's like, oh, why are the last people always the worst? And he's like, because you're tired and you don't give a shit. It's not supernatural. It's just like, so good. he's just constantly, she's just constantly getting dunked on the entire movie. Well, I think the other thing is that like, because they set it up in the start that Costigan is super smart. Because they say, you know, you, you, you passed all of your tests with flying colors. Your SATs are unbelievable you're not a cop. You should be a fucking rocket scientist. Yeah, Why I guess, you... yeah, that's true. Yeah, I so guess like, you're right. That's, and that also sets up, you know, Costigan's uh, plan at the end. And and to, when the lawyer comes to him, he sets up, you know, anyway, we'll get to that. So mm-hmm. um, we, we, uh, uh, where were we? Oh, yes. Yeah, so um Costigan, Billy Costigan, Leonardo DiCaprio, he uh, eventually weasels his way into Frank Costello's crew, begins working with him, and is sending information back to Queen and Indignant. Wait, did we talk about the like the scene where Mark Wahlberg's just grilling him? Like Costigan on what a piece of shit he is of just a human being. Yeah, well, that's I'm gonna more get. Of, I'm gonna get to exact scenes. I just want to get through the 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 plot of this. Anyway. Well, well, no, no, we will get to it because that's like one of my favorite scenes that I want to talk to talk oh, about. Right at. Well, yeah, okay, fine. We can talk about the scene. There is the scene when Staff Sergeant Dignam and Captain Queenan speak with Costigan, and there is the now famous, infamous scene of them going back uh, and forth with one another. Um, what does he say in that line? That he's oh no, that's that's just after when he's talking to. Um, I wrote Mark Wahlberg is incredible in this. When he talks to Matt Damon, you're a worker. Uh, and Queenan says, you're a worker. You rise fast. And Matt, Matt, or Mark Wahlberg says, like a 12-year-old's dick. 
yeah. Yeah, incredible yeah, stuff. the one, it's like, fuck yourself. Tired from fucking your wife. How's your mother? Tired from fucking my father. Yeah, that's that's all at the start when they're setting up the characters. Yeah. There's a lot of back and forth. Everybody's firing like, in all this cylinders. This whole scene, he's just like, you're a fucking piece of shit. Why the fuck are you here? You think you could be a fucking state trooper? You can't be a fucking state trooper. Get the fuck out of here. You're fucking garbage. Did you what the fuck two, are you doing here? Did you have two accents? Yeah, yeah, you did, you fucking snake. <laughs> yeah, like that part where he's just really like it's just such Boston shit. Like, I oh yeah, know. the whole the 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 whole start of this like because in that that section we have multiple interactions between everybody where they're just ribbing on each other. You have yeah, you have Mark Wahlberg and Queenan meeting Matt Damon. Uh, which is right before when he talks to when they talk to Leo's Costigan character, and he says, "You know, you were the Queen," and says, "You know, you you work hard, rise fast, like a twelve year old, like twelve year old's dick." And then you have Leo talking to um, uh, Dignam and Queenan, and and then Martin Sheen has that line because Queenan's or Dignan. Dignam's just going in on him and Queenan says, Oh, he's like an acquired taste. Like, don't worry. Like he means well. <laughs> and he's just yeah. yelling at him. He's like, he's like, I don't know why a lace front motherfucker like you would want to be the police. Like, it's just so insane. Like he's just, he's just going off. Like in any other like situation, like that is the word somebody says before they like stab you. But that's just how Mark Wahlberg talks. Like this is, I I love Mark Wahlberg in this movie. It's my favorite Mark Wahlberg role. And I think this movie is top three in everybody's, like everybody, this is like a top three performance from them in the career. But like Mark Wahlberg is just so above and beyond. Like I can just imagine Marty Scorsese was just like, okay, okay, Mark, I I, I just want you to be you. I just want you to be you. He's just like, you want me to say some crazy shit, Marty? I'll say the craziest (laughs) shit. I'll say the fucking wildest things you've ever fucking heard, Marty. You want me to go, Marty? I'll fucking say it right now. And Marty's just like, okay, okay, go. Yeah. Action. Like, I want to know how much of Mark, specifically Mark Wahlberg's dialogue was just improv. I would say like 80%, I feel like. It's, It's really good. And the part when they're in the, like, sting, and he's like, who set up the ca- who set up the cameras and the guy's like me who are you he's like i'm the guy doing my job you must be the fucking other guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah incredible oh. um yeah and then okay, right so, after- sorry to derail you i just really wanted to talk cuz mark Wahlberg is so fucking great and that scene like is Mark Wahlberg's like best acting in his honestly, career. Honestly, I when I got to the end of this, I wanted to talk about Mark Wahlberg specifically and Alec Baldwin. I think they both are like everybody in this film, except for Leo, who's like going through um an anxiety attack, like literally constantly. Every, nobody in this film is is morally uh clear. Like everybody yeah. in this is like kind of a piece of shit. Um mm-hmm. Even even Madeline, because she's sleeping with with Costigan and possibly yeah. bearing his child, and says to him, I have committed to this relationship, and even if I'm not happy, I've got to follow through with it. And, you know, like, there's, everybody here is just like, it's like shades of gray. Even if you look at Queenan, who's supposed to be the antithesis of Costigan, Queenan's putting his men at risk uh, and 
seems like he doesn't really care until right before his unfortunate demise that he's more interested in lawful goodness and doesn't really care. You know what I mean? Like he's, he know, like he's doing bad, just as bad. Like it's all about spying and, and kind of moral ambiguity. And it's what makes this film so interesting because at any twist and turn, you don't really know what anybody's going to do. Yeah. Like nobody is like, there's no like, this guy and even the one guy who actually even though he has blood on his hands and was undercover he doesn't live to the end spoiler alert like there's no you don't really know what's gonna happen and which is why i think it's like it's so fun to watch fun to rewatch. the dialogue is amazing it's written like the the story is incredible the dialogue the everything is like so on point like this film just works um and it's why it's probably one of my favorite um that's also before just to to one more i guess i'm sidetracking myself before that you have or right after that you have the introduction to um alec baldwin's character talking to the room uh of people working this case to get costello um and then just after that, you have the Matt Damon coming in or um, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg coming in and talking to Alec Baldwin. And you have, you know, uh, how are you? I'm tired from from fucking your wife. How's your mother tired from fucking my father? Fed, feds are like mushrooms, Bless. feed them in the dark or feed them shit and keep them in the dark. And like all those like Mark are Wahlberg just going crazy hard like every single chance he gets and, and it's uh, yeah, probably my favorite Mark Wahlberg role. Um, but Alec Baldwin is going neck and neck with him too. Like everybody in this movie is going crazy. It's so sick. Are you there? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, I am. I, I heard you. I, I heard you say, are you there? So I was like, yeah, what? cause you went quiet for a while, but then you randomly came back in like mid sentence. So I assume you just cut out. We're but, having some but, technical difficulties. No, we're here. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's hilarious that, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg and Alec Baldwin, some of their best work is just by playing a loud mouth asshole. It's, it's crazy. It's almost as if that's the closest thing to the personality. <laughs> well, I think also like, I think it's probably easy, not saying that it's easy. It's, it's probably hard to be a believable loudmouth asshole. Yeah. Um, but it's probably really relatively easy to just I kind guess, of have fun and be a dick. I guess the thing that I'm trying to say is every, every male character in this movie is an alpha. Like, Everybody in this movie is like Joe Rogan just competing Busted against Joe each Rogan. other to be more fucking manly. Like everybody is flexing. Like everybody is in 100% flex mode, regardless of like, you know, how, you know, they have different means and ways of doing it. Like, but like they are, everybody is constantly flexing in this movie. Like, uh, you know, it's like everybody's peacocking. That's the whole, yeah. this is, this is peacocking the movie, the Boston musical. That's what it is essentially. Yeah. Um, so where were we? Yes. So they set up a cover for, for, um, Costigan to, they send him to jail 
and then uh, and then he gets out. He joins the crew. Um, during uh, this period, we have all the characters in, um, kind of meeting each other and interacting. Um, uh, only Queen and, and Dignam know the undercover's names and who's undercover. Uh, they also... Uh, introduce the stolen uh microprocessors part of the story which will come up later um it there's you know costigan gets uh winds up getting in a fight with two italian mob members mafia members uh which brings him under the radar of uh of costello costello decides to give him uh he's uh, costigan also is selling uh cocaine uh with his cousin trying to kind of weasel his way into the outer um uh kind of the orbit of of uh, Costello and uh eventually Costello after uh oh also we forgot about one another one of the yeah, greatest we scenes skipped in TV. over like the greatest scene <laughs> in like this movie is packed it's so rewatchable it's like every other scene is like so crazy sick of course we're talking about the I'll have a, uh, uh, a cranberry juice. What are you on your period? And then he, yeah, that gets if, glass glasses him, beats the shit out of him, and then that's when Frenchie comes over and he's like, "I'm the guy that tells you that there's guys you can hit and the guys you can't hit." Now that guy right there, he's not exactly a guy you can't hit, but he's not exactly a guy you can hit. Now I'm gonna make a judgment call and say. You shouldn't have hit him. No, he's like, he's like, or I'm going like, to make a ruling on this right fucking now. You yeah. don't hit him. Yeah. You're lucky yeah. I knew your grandmother. He's like, I know you. I know your family. You're lucky. Uh, you, I forget what he says. He says something. I'll forget that your grandmother was so nice to me and I'll cut your fucking nuts off. Yeah. <laughs> Ray what Winstone. Was this, what was this all about? Hey, he says on my period. Yeah. Want no, a drink? Yeah. Or they, he's just like, what are you having? Cranberry, Cranberry juice. juice. What, what are you on, your period? <laughs> on your fucking period? Um, it's I'm a natural okay. diuretic. Uh, yeah, that seed is just so good. And that's like when when Costigan starts getting himself, like, because now he's met Frenchie. Frenchie's seen him. I mean, it's obvious from the start that Costigan is setting himself up as like this crazy down on his luck, kind of stupid guy who has nothing to lose. Um, yeah, so that... Costigan brings him in and makes him part of his his crew, which is eventually what does happen. Dude, oh, also one of the funniest scenes that I always forget is just in the quick like minute that shows Costigan doing his like jail time when he's in line, and then he's, the one guy behind him is like, "Hey, man, your, your cousin's kind of dumb." And he's like, "No offense taken," and like. Uh, Leo just does this like little gesture of just like no offense to, like none yeah, taken it's, it's and it's just like yep like everybody has like I know everybody has that like dumb relative where like if somebody could like just be like yeah that person's a fucking idiot and you're like yeah what can you do right like everybody knows that guy where they're like that guy's an idiot and you're like yeah yeah and uh, and so then we have the um Costigan joining the undercover crew. He's brought out to work on some things. He accidentally bashes some dude's teeth out who's reaching for his cigarettes. And they're like, hey, that's Billy, whatever. I forget what his last name. Billy, Billy, Billy Legs or whatever. And he's like, that guy's fine. You shouldn't have hit him. And then they're like, oh, well, he doesn't need his teeth. 
um, and other violent interactions, which causes Costigan's emotional and, and uh, mental state to decline. Asking, he asks to be um, to be taken off uh, and get out from undercover, but they beg him to stay in and say, you know, we're we're building a case. It takes time. Um, we also have Sullivan, who is now King Shit. He's on. He's working in the uh, in the um, uh, you know, special investigations unit. He's, he's the guy that, that is feeding information to Costello, to, uh, Jack Nicholson's character. Yeah, he's making his calls home to daddy. Yeah. He's making his calls to daddy. And he, uh, begins, he winds up, uh, meeting, uh, Dr. Madeline Madden, uh, uh, um, Vera Farmiga's character in the elevator. And, uh, and he, uh, go begins a romance with her. And um, I actually really like the scene where they're out at dinner together and they're talking because uh, it, there is actually like, it kind of feels like you can understand why she's, she's finds him attractive and why she wants to at the start be in a relationship with him. Um, but that suffers as the film goes on due to his uh, nature as a spy and double crosser and kind of just an all around wiener. Like he's, yeah. he's kind of just like Matt Damon's kind of pulling, he's pulling like a, a real, real weenie uh, role out of, out of himself. Yeah, and like, I think sucks. That there's a reason for that. He's doing, he's making up, uh, he's making up a lot. He's doing, yeah. The, Matt Damon is definitely trying to make up for something in this movie. Like there is a reasoning for his actions because he is so just overtly trying to swing dick and like desperately and like desperately asserting dominance in every social situation, like unnecessarily. Like even when he goes to like, hit on uh, Vera Fumiko for the first time in the elevator and just holds the elevator. If a dude was doing that in front of me trying to get a chick's number, I would smash his fucking head into the door. I would close (laughs) the elevated door on his fucking head and press up like, yeah, you don't. And, do and that. he's and that, everybody. That there's like the elevator's move. full too, and he's like, "Hey, sorry, hey, hey." <laughs> he's like holding the door open, and he's like, "Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah." And he goes yeah. back, and, and he's just started. a constant dick to everybody. Like he is, he is, he, he's just, he's just like shitty. Like at least, like um, uh, he's very much about status. Like, and that's the thing is that he has been groomed since the beginning to be a like to be a plant to be a rat and so like everything he does is disingenuous like even him hitting on like vera famiga it's like this dude this none of this is real like the way not not, nothing everything this dude does is fake like and like he's just a slime ball he's just a piece of shit yeah but i think that the scene where they do go out together it sets up how she would fall for him because he actually is kind of like charming and approachable and it kind of makes sense even though he's lying the whole time which will ultimately lead to the end of their relationship and and Hmm. the end of his life because of him kind of being this shyster this spy um yeah he's definitely a what's the word they've grifter that's uh that's the new word the kids are using now yeah he's definitely a grifter 
Um, and then uh, we also learn in this uh, section of time that uh, Costigan, Leo, Leo DiCaprio's character, um, is also seeing uh, Dr. Madden uh, as his uh, part of his probation. And so they begin a relationship with one another um, that starts out as kind of just friendly, uh, but you know where it's going to go. He's the only guy who's really being vulnerable and he's super smart and he's a very broken person because of his role being all doing exactly what uh, Sullivan is doing. Um, but on the opposite side, he is trying to do good but being forced to do all of these evil things and act in this role. Uh, whereas uh, uh, Sullivan is doing evil things, um, but he is not suffering for it. It's getting him, as you said, status. And he's rising in the ranks really fast because he can work with Costello to set up a guy for the murder of two Italians, right? Like it's, it's, it's it's so cool how this movie there the mirrors work in this movie and the more you unravel the crazier it gets and it's one of the things that i as i said before i absolutely love about it um this whole thing is leading up to the uh uh kind of showing the characters um costigan getting in deeper with Costello's uh, uh, crew and becoming a kind of more deeply embedded undercover agent and, uh, and um, you know, uh, Sullivan kind of rising in the ranks and becoming more known. There's also that scene with him and uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's character where they're golfing and Alec Baldwin's like, yeah, you got to get, you know, are you married? You know, you got to get married because, uh, people will see your ring and know that you know that you're st stable and that you know at least one person thinks you're a good good guy or you can be around them forever or whatever. Um, and there's that fun interaction. Alec Baldwin in this is just really funny. Like uh, almost every scene he's in, just like Mark Wahlberg, I like laugh at. And I just oh yeah, I I was really really like watching this again today. I was like, dang, Alec Baldwin, like hell yeah. Um, and I wonder, did, when did 30 Rock air? Did 30 Rock air uh, after this? What is 30 Rock was started around this time, I assume. So I wonder if he maybe got kind of, maybe this helped him get that. Because I feel like they're kind of similar characters. It's just his character on 30 Rock is dumber. Yeah, I mean, he also did the Glengarry Glen Ross scene, like the fucking always be closing scene, which very much has the same energy as this. Yeah, he's you know, he coffees just, for closers, that whole scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, he's just, uh, in this, he's playing, he in many ways is like <laughs> the antithesis of, of Dignum because he's like, he actually wants to be a good good police officer, but he does everything by the books. I don't know. There's so many yeah. mirrors. There's so much going on anyway. So they, they have these um, microprocessors that Costello wants to sell to the Chinese. Um, and they bring him to this, uh, this kind of seaside factory, riverside factory. Um, and during this situation, you really start to see the cat and mouse game coming because uh, both Matt Damon, who is working with the police, uh, is texting Costello and telling him things, turn off your phones, do this, do that. And then uh, Leo 
Leo's character is texting saying, oh, the, the buyer's here, and they're trying to figure out who's who. And ultimately, the thing fails because the guys who set up the cameras didn't set up a camera at the back and didn't set up the cameras in such a way that covered the entire place. The meeting goes on. And, uh, and they part ways and nobody is caught. This leads to a fantastic interaction oh. afterwards with Alec Baldwin nearly murdering the guy who set up the cameras. Oh, set up the cameras here. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's like, I will rip your fucking arms off. <laughs> he's just wailing on the guy. Um, and then, oh, yeah, Dignam, the who, the who are you? Dude, um, I, actually, this is a thing. I would love <laughs> to legitimately just be a fly on the wall in like the inner workings of like the police of the Boston Police Department. Like, I, there's got to be legitimate guys. It's like, what are you doing? It's just beating the shit out of like their own officers and like their own like. Yeah, I, I, I very much. Yeah, especially like on a huge bus, like this has got to be going on in the inner workings of like the FBI and like, you know, deeper criminal investigation stuff, which you love to see it. You love to see it. I love I love a nice spat spat and quarrel over uh, some uh, some wrongdoings. Yeah, it's and it's really (laughs) smart writing to. Just like the yeah the the dignum I must be the I'm the guy who does his job he must be the other guy like that whole thing is really good, um, and so obviously it falls apart and they aren't able to uh, come in and arrest them because they have no proof, um, and this uh, kind of sends things back into the way they were, uh, but Costigan. Um, learns from uh from one of uh his uh i guess bookie like he's retrieving money and he pulls up on a guy and the guy tells him oh you know he's uh costello's never going to go to jail because he's he's an fbi informant and uh costigan realizes oh that's why they can't they can never make a case stick because he's an fbi informant um and uh uh this has another another great scene where Costello accuses Costigan of being undercover, and uh, and it's the scene you know I've got this gnawing, teething, cheese loving rat, um, where they're at the restaurant together, uh, and and Sullivan who's who's risen up at this point in the movie to be the uh, guy who's looking for himself. Uh, somehow he just fails upwards into the position of he's the guy who has to find the rat in the police and he is the rat in the police, which is just incredible. Um, I was watching and I was like, Oh my God, like this movie is just so well, well done. Um, yeah, this, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a classic tale of cat and mouse. It's a classic tale of rat and rat and rat. And rat and other rats, yeah, and rat, 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 and it's in the it's, end, it's like, a rat, rat, ratity, rats. In the end, nobody who is good lives because I wouldn't say Dignum, Dignum lives, or Dignum's good because he's obviously not. He's like a furious asshole. He might be chaotic good, and his his goals are good, but he. I mean, he, he is no- acting out of vengeance for the goodest character yeah so he he his his most evil act is in vengeance for 
the representative of good. So you could say morally, yeah, his his what he does is probably the most justified. Out yeah, but of I don't think all all of the twenty murders that <laughs> yeah. occur. Uh, but I don't think the cold. I don't think that cold blooded murder, like he was a cop, he was on the side of law, and then he left and and he does get revenge but is you know yeah the murder might be justified but killing someone breaking into their house and killing them is not necessarily a good action you could argue um yeah yeah because the only person i mean but like you know they really have set it up that like you know we're not dealing with angels here oh yeah of course of course we're you know, the immediate, you're immediately showing that the people in the FBI are scumbags, they're fucking slime balls, they're just as dirty as the fucking people they're trying to get. And I yeah. think having that gray, like, yeah, this whole movie is set in gray area. And, you know, I don't know. You can't really pick at straws at who's more justified. I guess, I don't know. Well, I yeah, was, I guess we can't really. You, you can't really. I mean, at the end, you can't really say that anybody, like, yes, I think Dignam's, uh, he's on the side of good, but he's chaotic good. Like, I don't yeah. think that he's, like, lawful good like Queenan was. Even Queenan wasn't. I mean, he was putting his undercovers at risk and, and do, like, I, I it's so... There's not really any. The only person who who wants to do things by the book is Costigan, which we'll 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 get to what happens to him. So anyway, during this time, they're figuring out that there's a rat in in there's an undercover cop in Costello's crew, and uh, and he tasks Sullivan to uncover his identity. Um, Sullivan asks for information to cross references crew members in the uh, uh, Massachusetts State Police database. Um, and uh, and during this time, he collects their social insurance numbers and everything like that, uh, and they send it off to him. Um, French Frenchie tells everybody that they can't leave the bar, um, but uh, Costigan leaves because he's uh, nervous and anxious and knows that things are getting really you know spooky and weird because you know uh, Costello knows that there's a rat and he's he is the rat um or so he is the only rat or so he thinks um and uh and uh he goes to uh Madeline's house to talk to her uh because they have this relationship and at this point the, he is no longer going to her but he goes there and of course she uh they have an intimate moment and they sleep together um, she is just moving in to Colin Sullivan's house. She's back at her house packing things up, uh, but she didn't pack the bed. Um, so, you know, uh, it gets used. Um, and this, there's the, the cat and mouse-ness, uh, of this movie intensifies from this point on, um, Costigan winds up following Costello to a theater and, uh, sees him giving Sullivan an envelope. 
Um, and uh, Costigan follows him, trying to get a visual ID, uh, but he uh, is una unable to get a good look at his face because they're walking through Chinatown, I guess, and there's people everywhere. Um, yeah. And uh, Sullivan, who is also uh, starting to lose his mind because of the pressure, uh, hides around a corner and pulls out his knife. He realizes he's being followed, pops out to kill the, his, his pursuer. And it just turns out it's some dude carrying like fish or something. Uh, and he just stabs him in the chest and then, uh, uh, flees the scene. Um, they try yeah. at this point to figure out who's who, um, you know, because, uh, Costigan is so, so well dug or so well hidden. Um, uh, Sullivan, uh, Matt Damon's character tells, um, Costello that no, he's not the rat. Uh, you know, I can't figure out who it is. And, uh, and Costello gets mad cause he's like, yo, like you've got to figure this shit out. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, Costigan is, uh, freaking out and losing his mind. Um, and uh yeah so, because also like costello's also like very close to figuring out that it's costigan that is the rat leaking on uh, the other way you know because that's that's why he had to chase matt damon because he had him put all their information on this envelope thing and then the envelope thing i never really that that's one thing that gets lost because like Matt Damon has it, but then like nothing ever comes of that. Like no, he does look. He looks in and he tells, he tells, uh, uh, Costello like no, um, that no nobody's coming up in the database, and then that's when, um, uh, they uh, that's when Costello, uh, is like, hey, you have to of you know you have to find a way to figure it out and that's when queen and oh, tells yeah, sullivan no, that's when they follow queen yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so then wait, wait. so okay, queen sorry. yeah just, it's all good it's all good queen and tells sullivan um because sullivan's like hey do you have any advice like i don't know and queen and's like yo like people aren't gonna like you because you're investigating them trying to find a rat you're gonna be looking through their stuff it's, and he's looking for himself right as i said mm -hmm. um and he's uh, and he's people aren't going to like you because you're looking into their personal life. And and Sullivan says, well, what about like finding, finding, um, uh, you know, finding the spy? What can I do? And Queenan says, well, follow Costello. And um, Sullivan realizes, oh, I can figure out who who Queenan's guy is by doing exactly what Queenan told me to do. But to him, I'll have him followed. Um and this is uh, around the time that Costigan calls and says, hey, we have to meet. Things are getting too hairy. I need to get out. You know, and they know about the FBI informant part of it. And he's just freaking out. So they meet and Costigan just lays it out. He's like, I need to be pulled out. And Queenan says, I will take you out. We will go. I will. It may not happen right away, but we will pull you out. We will get your life back. And because Costigan knows, like, I'm going to die. Like he's going to figure out eventually and I'm going to die. And um, then as they are leaving to go downstairs, they see that Costello's uh, men have pulled up and, uh, and they are coming in heavy shotguns and pistols. 
they're ready to 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 kill the rat uh, because they know uh, Sullivan lets uh, Costello know that Queenan is meeting with his guy at this location, and uh, Queenan gives his life to protect uh, Costigan. He lets Costigan go out the back. Uh, and walk up on the place uh, as if he was just running late uh, after receiving a call saying you got to be at this location um, uh, from one of the other crew members, Delahunt. Uh, and uh, as he's coming down the alleyway around back to the front of the house, Queenan's body falls from the side of the building and just hits the ground. And <laughs> he's dead. Um which probably what the fuck was that? Yeah, which probably sends <laughs> like if you think about it really, like you're a dude who's under deep cover and this is the only guy, like this is the guy you report to. There's nobody else really. Uh and he just got thrown out of a window and and died because his head exploded on the ground in front of you. Like that's that's pretty that's like mental torture. Um yeah, I hate the idea of falling to my death. Like, because number one, like, I truly want to know if time slows down in a moment of death. And I feel like it, that can only be best experienced by being launched from the roof of a 10-story building. <laughs> and, like... It's just, I don't know. And then there's also, like, the thing of, like, he's not immediately dead. Like, just the, the squirms of a body hit after having hit the ground and just, like, those squirms before the person finally dies. Like, that is some of the most horrific shit ever. Yeah. I don't know. I, and then, this, so... That scene just made me realize that I would never want to... Uh, fall to your across. death. Yeah, fall to my death or witness it. Yeah, no, no, yeah. thank you. Um, also, at this time, because uh, um, Sullivan has had these uh, officers following Queen in, they're all in the car freaking out because they're like, yo, something came off the building. It's a body. It's a body. And uh, uh, Costello's men come out and they're all arguing and, and Sullivan's telling them not to engage, not to engage. But they're like, yeah, fuck this. And they go out and they start shooting at each other and Delahunt gets shot. Um, they all get into the car and drive away. They're uh, kind of in a safe house there and uh, they're all arguing and they're all, the tensions are high and Delahunt calls Costigan over and he says, you know, you've never been late a day in your life. Uh, also, I gave you the wrong address. How you were at the, how were you at the right address? And uh, and Leo's about to pull his gun out and pop Delahunt because he's like, shit, this guy knows who I am. And Delahunt grabs him just before dying and says, ask me why I haven't told anybody. And then Costigan Leo realizes, oh, he was he was undercover too. And then from there on, it's like just twists and turns. From here on, it's like twists and turns of who's undercover, who's not. People show up uh, and they're undercover or they're double agents. It's, there's there's a lot of twists yeah, from this point on. Is that, yeah, because then immediately after, there's like the funny, the funny kind of like, uh, kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of like a funny buddy 
comedy part of where the guys are standing out front of like the hangout and they're like that guy's a cop that guy's a cop that guy's a cop and like Costigan has like that moment of just being like I'm also now going to kill these guys too just because they're like Oh, he's a cop, but then like they're joking. Right? Yeah, they're, they're joking. Just calling everyone a cop. Because he, because like, yeah, that's he's just so fucking on edge. Like at this point, it's on like yeah, it's on. It's not even on site. It's on like syllable. If you even say cop, like yeah. Your, well, that's that's the scene just before the meeting. I guess we should say just oh, before okay, the meeting. Sorry. There's a scene where they're all in the bar. And uh, Costello comes out and he's just covered in blood on his hands and face. And he goes to to Billy because he's like, oh, you know, he knows he's not a, a rat because of Sullivan doing all the searching. He goes, you know what? I'm using new guys tonight. You go home. You take the night off, which is why he leaves. And that's when Fitzy and Delahunt are out front doing the, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm now, you know how I know someone's a cop because they aren't paying attention to me. So that old guy's a cop. This lady with walking her dog, he's like, oh, what kind of dog is that? It's And she doesn't answer. He's like, yeah, she's probably the fucking commissioner of police. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then Cost or uh, Costigan walks out, Leo walks out and, and, and uh, Del Hunt says, you're a cop. And, and that's when he turns around and he has this like horrified look on his face and immediately calls Queen and is like, I got to get out. It's getting spooky. Like Costello's, covered in blood when i left him and he's like he's starting to like lose his mind um uh anyway so uh the uh, uh after this angered by queenan's murder dignam and, and sullivan have it out because dignam's like he's he's starting to realize what's going on i think and he's just like I, how did this happen why were you having him followed why were you doing that you led them right to him Not, and i don't think he realizes that it is him but i think he's starting to because he says you rat fuck like he's like calling him out they throw some punches and uh and um alec baldwin's character ellerby is like hey you need to take a leave of absence i'm your boss now Which is the wrong call even watching this scene i f i really legitimately feel that fucking dignum's in the right like him and queenum are the superiors they're working deeper in this operation than fucking uh sullivan so i i legitimately do think dignum had the right to fucking yeah, he pop was, off a bit yeah he was because right because he yeah, no, fuck, he, Sullivan fucking blew fucking God knows what, like two, he, three years of undercover work and just with killed this his fucking boss. bullshit. Like, <laughs> and got his boss killed. Like, yeah, got his boss killed. Probably Dignum's only confidant that he has in the FBI because everybody else is so clearly incompetent and or a rat. Like, yeah. And so, <laughs> and there's, and so, um, Dignam, he doesn't want to take the take the leave of absence. He says, uh, you know what? If I'm not if you're my boss, I quit. And then Alec Baldwin says one of the funniest lines, Great, the world could use more bartenders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks with pay. And then Dignam walks out. Um, yeah. during this this sequence, also Sullivan, while looking through uh, Queenan's book and through his files, he learns that Costello is an FBI informant 
and he flips on Costello. I mean, he doesn't say it, but you can tell by his face that he's disgusted by it and decides to help him get caught um, because he's like, I can't believe this dude who has told me my entire life and has made a whole part of his uh, issue is with rats and with, you know, and there's multiple scenes in the film about with Jack Nicholson's character talking about how much he doesn't like rats and how much a problem rats are. And it turns out that he is a rat, right? Um, which causes a, a, a kind of switch in uh, Matt Damon's character. Um, uh, and uh, so this leads into um, him, Costigan, who is having, who is, continuing his, his affair with Madeline, with Dr. Madden. Um, he winds up talking with uh, uh, Sullivan, who uses um, Queenham's old phone to call him, and he they work together to set up uh, a, uh, a tale for Costello to a cocaine drop-off um, where, uh, you know, um, Costigan slips out the back as they're about to drive away. The police pull up and there is a huge gunfight and all of uh, Costello's crew, including Costello himself, are murdered. Uh, French, he gets shot, drives in, drives his car into a building and then shoots himself before his car explodes. Um, Fitzy and the rest are, are gunned down by the police. And uh, Sullivan confronts Costello and is like, yo, I can't believe you were an FBI informant. And he's like, did you tell them about me? Did you tell them about me? I need to know. Did you tell them about me? And Costello tries to uh, uh, shoot Sullivan. And uh, Sullivan finally realizes that Costello is just a psychopath who just uses everybody to make his life better. And uh, And I think there's like kind of a moment of realization. He's like, this dude just tried to shot me or tried to shoot me so he pops him um and this is where you know a normal film might like end because it's like okay we've come to the end of the story of 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 you know these major players and will leonardo dicaprio's character run off into the into the night and and he he'll get away and there's yeah. In in a regular movie, if this so is say something as you know clean cut and you know spelled out for you as say a Star Wars movie where it's like this is good, this is bad. Yes, this would be the ending. The bad guy is now dead. But since everybody is such, they're such ambiguous about who is actually evil. The thing is, this is where we get into the end game of that. We don't know who's good, who's bad. So guess what? Just everybody has to die now. Yeah, everybody has. This to is go. the tragic ending. This is this film yeah. is very much like a a tragedy. Shakespeare, yeah, it's a, a tragedy. Shakespearean yes. tragedy. Yeah. Um. So Costigan uh goes to the police station to Sullivan and reveals he's undercover status and that he's been there for a long time, and Sullivan is like, okay, great. We're really, I'm, I'm, I'm recommending you for, for, um, a, a medal of merit. Uh, we want you to, you know, we want to get you your identity back. We want to get you paid. We want to, you know, you've done a great thing for the city. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, my computer, it's, it's not working right now. I got a blue screen. I got to go to another room to, to fill out these forms and get you all set. Just chill here. And unfortunately, 
that little envelope that had everybody's uh, uh, um, information in it, all the papers that they had signed earlier uh, that uh, that Costello had made his crew sign to give to Sullivan is on his desk. He can tell because of the misspelled citizen uh, that he helped Fitzy spell citizen, uh, which is also really funny because <laughs> he spells it right. Really? And then Fitzy's like, I don't want to say the word, but you know, he, he thinks, what are you, right? Yeah. He calls him, yeah. he uses a, a, a he says an he's R-worded. yeah, Arsler, but it's, it's kind of funny the way he said the, the whole interaction between the two. Um, that's not how you fucking say it, Spelly. What are you? Yeah. Um, and so he sees the envelope and he sneaks out. He's like, holy, holy shit. Sullivan is Costello's spy. The guy who killed him was his spy. This is all, you know, like he is like, holy shit. So he, uh, uh, he leaves and Sullivan realizes that he left and he erases Costigan's records from the police computers so that there's no record of him being a police officer, being undercover. Um, and, uh, Costigan goes to Mad- Madeline um, and gives an envelope to her and says, if something happens to him, you have to open it. Uh, and you, and you know, she goes to talk to him and say something. She's like, you know, I, and he says, listen, wait two weeks. If you, what you need to say, you feel you still need to say it in two weeks. You can tell me then just keep that. Don't let anybody know you have it. And he goes off. Um, then, she reveals to uh, Sullivan that she is pregnant um, and they have a a lovely morning together uh, engaging in activities that couples do uh, in bed. And uh, as he is showering afterwards, she is outside and receives that there's a letter um, addressed. From William Costigan. Yeah. From William Costigan addressed to, uh, to Sullivan and, Costigan doesn't know that they're dating. So like, even though they've been having an affair or whatever, he doesn't know who her boyfriend is. Um, so he didn't know like not to send it there. Uh, so he just sent it there and, and she, uh, and she got it. Um, and he meets her at her office. Never forget, does she know Costigan's undercover like does he ever disclose that to her or does he just I'm not sure I can't remember um but anyway so she opens it up because he had met her at her office uh and doesn't know that they live in the same house so she opens it up and plays it because she sees the name on it and it's tapes that Costello had made of himself talking to Sullivan as kind of um uh kind of safety for if anything were to happen, he could sell out Sullivan uh, for protection. And he had left them with his lawyer. Uh, And the lawyer had gone to Costigan with them and been like, yo, do something with this. So she trusted Costigan more than his fucking plant that he groomed for 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, and so Sullivan, uh, he can't really explain himself. She, you know, Madeline gets upset and she locks herself into a room. And then she, it is implied she leaves him because she thinks that he is an absolute monster because he was, she realizes he was the, the, the spy the whole time. Costigan arranges to meet uh, Sullivan on the rooftop where Queenan died of the building where Queenan died and gets uh, Sullivan pulls up and Costigan just like beats him with the butt of his gun and, 
arrests him pretty much and is like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to take you in. There's a funny part where, where, um, Matt Damon's like, no, let's like, let's just talk. Like I'm a police officer. Let's just talk. And then he keeps saying it. Then <laughs> Leo just is like, like, shut the fuck up. And he's like hitting him with his gun. It's really Beats funny. The shit out of yeah. Him. Um, and, uh, Costigan had called Anthony Anderson, uh, Trooper Brown. He's kind of like a minor, minor character throughout this. And he had gone to, uh, you see him early in the film at the Academy mm-hmm. th- that they had been in the Academy together and he calls him and he's like, yo, I need you to be here, substantiate who I am, that I went to the the academy. Um, uh, but Brown, he's got a gun on him and he's like, yo, I don't know what's going on. Like, put the gun down, put the gun down. And uh, Costigan says, I have hard evidence tying Sullivan to Costello. I have, you know me, I have proof. Just let me go down. I just needed someone to be here to to to, to validate who I am. And they get in the elevator and they're going down and it's one of the craziest things is when Matt Damon realizes that he's screwed because the first couple of floors, he's like, no jury's going to going to get me. You try telling this to a jury. They're not going to believe this. Look at my record, blah, blah, blah. And then as they get closer to the ground, he starts crying and he's like, yeah, just fucking kill just, me. Just he, fucking yeah, kill just me. Fucking bitches. At he's yeah. like, I'm yeah. The, what is, what does Leo say? It's just like, I, am. I will kill you. No, I am or killing you. It's like, I am? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you get right down to the door, the bo- or the bottom floor, the door opens up, and then the next twist happened. Boom. Leonardo DiCaprio, bullet straight through the head, and he drops dead on the ground. Oh, another rat. Another, another rat. rat. And then you so learn. There's another. So is this guy, this guy is another FBI plant by Costello. Not FBI. He's He works in the MSP with with uh sullivan he's actually in sullivan metro police yeah so the he's 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 uh the state police working with he actually is in sullivan's team like sullivan he and sullivan are friends from the Mm. academy and then sullivan brings him along and puts him on his team thinking that he's doing him a favor and because they're friends when in reality he was ratting to to Costello too. And he was there to be back up and keep an eye on Sullivan. Um, and so this trooper Berrigan is like, yo, I'm, I was working for him too. And, you know, you and I, we have to work together because like he was going to sell Costello was going to sell us to the FBI. We've got to work together. We've got to work together. Um, and, uh, and, uh, um, Trooper Brown, Anthony Anderson comes down the stairs being like, yo, what's up? And he sees uh, Costigan's dead body and he's like, yo, what just happened? What? Like, oh, we, yeah. you, you got like, what is everything good? And uh, Trooper Berrigan just shoots him in the head pops and then the head. it pops him in the head. And then he's like, yo, we got to work together. We got to work together. You and I are the only two people who know what's going on, which is a stupid thing to yeah. say because it's like, well, now you just sealed sealed your death warrant, right? Being like, yeah, like, what do you only- think? You two are going to go on a fucking, you know, countryside, go like just drive through the countryside, like fucking Bonnie and Clyde. Like, what, like, what did you think was going to happen? So as this is going on, what, what, what do you think fucking Sullivan does? He goes, he picks up one of the 10 guns just lying around since everyone's just getting shot in the head and lying Round with guns he just picks it up as buddy's not paying attention he just pops him in the back of the head so that's 
Yeah. You have three bodies just laying on the ground with holes in their head. And so Sullivan obviously calls the police and gets them to come in. There's kind of a montage of him talking to, you know, speaking with, uh, uh, making a report of what happened and speaking to. And also solidifies how much of a fucking rat fuck he is of where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm recommending him for the Medal of Mary. I'm, I'm, I'm I just want to go. I want to go on. Yeah. He's like, I want to go on yeah. record. I'm, rec- it's just I'm like recommending you him rat for Medal of Mary. Fuck. Yeah. How are you going to recommend the person that you just had killed? You rat fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so he, he, there's the funeral uh, and, uh, and, you know, it looks like he's going to get away. He's, he made it out of here. He looks like that uh, Sullivan made it out of the, this whole situation um, at the funeral. Madeline is there and she walks by and he says, what about the baby? And she doesn't answer. He, she just keeps walking. And so he's pretty much lost any and all meaning in his life. Oh, yes, yeah. Imagine that. Like that's gotta be like the wildest shit is that like your girlfriend that like just left you you assume is pregnant with your kid is now suddenly at the funeral for the dude. Yeah. Like your arch nemesis. And you're just like, wait, what? Yeah. Huh? And then, Uh yeah. And then, Uh and and also you got to think about it. Like he has lost, uh, he has lost, he's lost uh, Costello who is, yeah. Default father figure, possibly lover. He's lost, uh, pr- probably people in the police office or the police, uh, state I mean, police. he killed the guy that was clearly willing to fucking, you know, help him. He killed the only guy that knew he was a rat that could have yeah. potentially, but he also you know, he got so, Queen and he got Queen and killed, and everybody probably knows he was yeah. looking for the rat the whole time, and so the rest of the place doesn't really like him. Um, you know, Alec Baldwin, he, he thinks he's, you know, he's great because he's a steady riser and he's, you know, he's a good old boy or whatever, but, but like, he doesn't have his, his girlfriend anymore. He doesn't have uh, Costello. He's just a regular cop. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have any leverage to bring himself upwards anymore. His like the whole thing is kind of fallen out from under him. Your girlfriend is at the, as you said, at the funeral of your pretty much rival and won't speak to you. So he's pretty much lost all of the stuff that he had going on is gone and he's killed people and he's, you know, he's gone through this whole thing. So when the last scene, when he finally returns home and uh, it's funny because he, he gets out of the elevator and the woman's coming with the dog and he's like, Oh, Hey, Hey. And she pulls the dog away from him because yeah, nobody trusts him. Nobody trusts just him. Bad vibes. He's and just then, bad vibes. And then he opens up the door to his apartment. He stops, takes a deep breath. He's like, ah, because obviously his life is everything is blown up in his everything. I mean, yes, he still has his job. He's not being looked at for anything, but like he's lost pretty much any meaning and many. Yeah, well, meaning. What's it for now? Like, what's yeah, it, he like, killed the guy who was pretty much his father figure, who got yeah. him to the point that where he was. Like, he's obviously, and he was you know begging to be killed before before you know, uh, Barring Barrington Bar. Trooper Barrington. I can't, they never really see his name. Before the other rat kills Leo's character, 
and which is really well shot that whole sequence and it's super shocking like it's so Ooh. surprising um before that happens like you know he's like just kill me because he's like he's lost everything and then he makes it through but he still doesn't have everything so he's at his door he takes a deep breath he opens the door and then he looks up and you see the uh covered shoes uh and tracksuit of someone holding a gun wearing gloves obviously this is a very meticulous and thought out hit it pans up a little bit more and who is it but our guy marky mark dignam pulling up with a gun to get his revenge and thought you could just come in here and crew all kill all my undercovers (laughs) thought you could just kill him no 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 you 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 want to come home and make a salad no, 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 no. I'm not going to fuck up your carpet. What I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot you in the fucking head and fuck up your hallway. I'm going to fuck <laughs> up the paint job on your wall. Some guy's going to have to come in, spend a fucking Saturday and a Sunday cleaning your blood stain up. And I'm going to leave with fucking perfectly good, clean shoes. You ever seen that Instagram of me with the fucking pink shoes on looking real fucking fresh? That's how I walked out, bud. Fucking real fresh. I imagine that's what he said. After. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and... Yeah, so he he they look at each other, and uh, and Sullivan just goes okay, because he knows he's um, like he knows it. he knows he's, he played the game. I think he thought it was going to happen a little bit slower after he said okay, because right before yeah. he, he he's like okay, and then he shoots and his face is like surprised because he yeah. he's like okay, and then Mark Wahlberg immediately shoots him silencer boom and then the movie possibly ends on the most on the nose piece of imagery and like let's make no mistake that scorsese you know he's sometimes he does some imagery stuff that's like oh really oh he loves he loves a visual metaphor let's put it just like oh just in case you didn't understand what this movie was about Here's a literal rat. The movie ends with a literal shot of a rat on his balcony. And it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, yeah, on the a, nose. It's, a, there it's we go. a rat on his balcony in front of the state, the uh, Massachusetts yeah. State Building. And, uh, and then it ends. Um, again, this, we're reading, I'm, we're going off of the plot. We kind of mix things around a little bit. Um, but this film just clips along. And there's so many iconic scenes. Oh, also, I have to say, uh, you know, Scorsese, notoriously known for his needle drops. Um, This film, the title card doesn't play until 18 and a half minutes into the movie. And when it does, it's the needle drop of shipping up to Boston by Dropkick Murphys. And it's probably my favorite Scorsese needle drop because it all of a sudden... It's uh, uh, Queen in saying, you know, I know you used to pretend to be someone from the South Side on the, on the weekends. I need you to do it again for me. And then all of a sudden, it, and it's like so perfect. And then there's the kind of trolley shot through the the prison and he's doing the prison push-ups and then the black yeah. screen, the departed. I'm a sailor bag. And it's just so good. It's like... I was like, every time I see it, I'm like, yes, yes. I mean, there's just, this movie, I think, uh, 
probably has arguably one of the greatest rock soundtracks in a movie. Like, Shipping Up the Boston. This movie single-handedly turned that song into a Boston anthem. Yeah. This is, like, that song is now, I'm pretty sure, the fucking theme for every fucking Boston sports team. I know the Boston Bruins use it as their intro song. Forrest Griffin legendary ufc fighter from the boston area used that as his entrance song in the ufc like this song like solidified like dropkick murphy's and like yeah dropkick murphy's are now synonymous with boston but also you know it's not a scorsese movie if there's not fucking rolling stones in it and you know uses gimme shelter in the opening scene of uh you know frank costello doing Another Scorsese, you know, classic. Of course, there's not going to be... It's not going to be a Scorsese gangster movie if you don't have a fucking voiceover setting up the city. Yeah. You know? What What do you... You know, what do you think this is? Amateur hour? Get out of here. Well, and this Another is, great use of music, the comfortably numb during the sex scene, that's actually... Yeah. A, actually a really good... Like, that's probably the best use of that song that I can think of. There's, Other than yeah, you know the wall like, itself. Obviously, Scorsese is known for his use of his use of music and needle drops. I mean, that's that's yeah. something that's so. Uh, what makes I think also par- partially makes or a th- uh, one of the stylistic choices in in Scorsese's filmmaking that makes him so undeniably like, um, uh, just like a core American filmmaker is because he uh, there are scores but he really loves to use popular music and he really loves to, um, to put like he in this, this soundtrack. I mean, it's got sail on sailor from the beach boys, which is like my favorite beach boys song. Sail on Patsy Cline, obviously give me shelter. It's not a Scorsese gangster movie without give me shelter. Yeah. Comfortably numb. Um, shipping up to Boston. Like it's in, and all of them are just used really, really well. Um, and again, this is what I, as I said, this is kind of like the, the, uh, uh, greatest hits of Scorsese sauced up and packaged as a thriller blockbuster crime film. And with the cast, just a phenomenal cast, Leo, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga, Alec Baldwin, Anthony Anderson, and on and on and on. Um, I'm, I'm saying this now. Mark Wahlberg should have won the Oscar. Yeah, he. Sh- I feel he was like nominated. He, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He lost to Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine. Which uh, let's let's be serious. If we're talking about movies that you know have an impact, no one's talking about Little Miss Sunshine anymore. Whatever, it's a good indie movie. It's whatever. Yeah, but it should have. It like, should have been Marky Mark. It should have been Marky Mark. Like that was that. Fuck, dude, that was such. He was so fucking good in like. He maybe has what, like 15 minutes of screen time, maybe? Because, like, just only, and he kills it. He steals every scene he's in. And, like, he, I think, is the alpha of the movie. He's, which is why I think he gets, he gets the fucking last laugh. And, you know, it it only makes sense because he is, you put him one on one in a room with any of these guys, and he's going to be the one walking out. Yeah, it's, it's, he, he's, it's just, everybody in this film absolutely murders it. Like, it's just, like, everybody in this film. This is probably one of the greatest ensembles, like, I Uh, can think of, like, in the the last 20 years, like, 
everybody in this movie is fucking on even Vera Farmiga like what else is she really really good in like she's she's fantastic in, in like the conjuring and like horror movies but like this was the movie that put her on the map and this is the one movie that like when I think of I'm like this even her like she kind of stands out even though you know her character is not the you know the strongest character but she get that scene with Leo where you know they're talking shit back and forth that's a fucking iconic scene but that's also just this movie it's just yeah it's it's so well written and like I think the thing about Mark Wahlberg is that like you know, you, he had films before this and obviously Boogie Nights, like, you know, he, yeah. there, there was proof that he could act, but like he, this was like, th- like he was the one that people were like, did you see Mark Wahlberg? Like you expect Leo. Yeah. I mean, Leo does a fantastic job and he pulls out all the stops, but like you knew Leo could go all the way in from well, I mean, I his other, his this year was this, this also, this movie came out the same year as blood. Yeah. Death. I was so just like, about was, to say that this was the year where Leo was like, I'm not a boy anymore. Like yeah. this is where he was like doing it's man to rock. Shit. Um, and yeah, and, and so it was, yeah, it was, it was surprising to see Leo DiCaprio, but he was also in gangs of New York, which was before this, like he, you know, like he, yeah, he, but he's still sort of playing like an inexperienced kid where his inexperience, you know, plays a big factor and gets the best of him. Whereas in like this, like he is such like a fucking, just a manic, like just a machine yeah. like he's and then matt damon do, do, i mean everybody knew matt like i think the thing is that mark Wahlberg was the one that surprised a lot of people because like you yeah. know that martin sheen can yeah. act you know that jack nicholson nicholson can act you know that matt damon can act you know leo mm-hmm. can act even mm-hmm. even ray winstone was a well-known english actor by that time alec baldwin well-known actor you know and of course, I want to do a a shout out for uh, I want to shout out uh, David Patrick O'Hara, who's a Scottish uh, stage and character actor who played Fitzy. Great job, T- uh, Delahunt, Mark Rolston, um, who was in The Shield and uh, he was in Aliens and a bunch of Shawshank Redemption. Um, he does as Delahunt does a great job. Like all of the even the bottom players, like the kind of like the extended cast, uh, Kevin Corrigan who plays. Uh, Costigan's cousin Sean, who sells drugs, even he, like him being a scuzzy South Southy drug dealer kind of POS, he plays the shit out of that. Like everybody is going super hard, but I don't know. I don't think that people were ready for how hard Mark Wahlberg went. Like I think yeah. that they were like, holy, like just even the, the back and forth with him and Alec Baldwin and him and Leo DiCaprio, like he's going toe to toe with people and coming out as the guy that you're like, holy shit, you know? Like, Mark Wahlberg's character in this movie could, like, carry a TV series. Like, do an eight-part HBO series about his character, like a fucking hard-nosed dickhead cop in Boston. Dude, that'd be, be like, one of the best shows ever. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe no, I was I actually, just, that was something I was going to suggest. Maybe I hard on for Mark Wahlberg. No, I, I, I was, it was in my notes that I said, I feel like Mark Wahlberg and a, uh, and Alec Baldwin show would be incredible. I'm going to just do yeah. a little bit of where I want to, we're kind of going on a little bit long here. So I just want to, uh, I wanted to obviously, um, this film, it was, uh, Warner brothers got the rights, 
uh, uh, Brad Gray and Brad Pitt, the actor, got the rights to remake Internal Affairs. Um, they brought William Monaghan on to, to do screenwriting, and Martin Scorsese uh, came on board as a director. Um, and then uh, uh, originally it was DiCaprio and Brad Pitt were slated to star, but Pitt said, you know what? I'm going to decline the role. It should be a younger actor playing that part. And he just produced it. So this film is produced by Brad Pitt. Uh, just another huge star name to um, uh, uh, add to the, the padding of how insanely stacked this film is. Um, and then they brought on Nicholson uh, and, uh, and they uh, uh, Nicholson was really influential in the character of Costello. Um, he wanted, Nicholson was said to want to have wanted something a little more than the usual gangster film. Uh, and they came up with the idea of basing Costello on the, uh, Irish American gangster, Whitey Bulger. Um, and then, uh, uh, the, um, from there, they kind of, uh, says gave gave the screenplay an element of realism and an element of dangerous uncertainty because of the wide ranging carte blanche the FBI gave Balder in exchange for revealing information about his fellow gang, fellow gangsters. Um, they had consultants. Uh, like Tom Duffy, who had served three decades in the Boston Police Department uh, as an undercover uh, detective investigating the Irish mob. Um, it was shot on in Boston. Uh, uh, and they, yeah, they just came together and did the damn thing. Nicholson did a lot of, Nicholson, Matt Damon, and Leo did a lot of work together to come up with their characters. A lot of the kind of craziness of Costello was was uh, Jack Nicholson's idea. The pulling out the dildo in the porn and waving it at Sullivan, that was, he just made that up. That was like, that was yeah, just something he that just, Jack, he, Jack Nicholson fully went in on this and he was like, let's go absolutely crazy psychopaths path nuts. Um, oh, Ray Winstone in this is incredible as Frenchie too. Everybody is just so good. Obviously this film dropped. It was a budget of $90 million and it's made 291.5 million um, uh, between uh, uh, the U S and Canada and other territories. Um, it was, uh, the picture, the Academy Awards. Yeah. It went on, obviously director, won best editing. It won a bunch of shit. Yeah. Um, And and this film holds a 90% approval rating, uh, average rating of 8.3, uh, everybody loved it. Outstanding work from an excellent cast. The Departed is thoroughly engrossing gangster drama with gritty authenticity and soupy morality. We have come to accept from or expect from Martin Scorsese. Um, Metacritic gives it 85. Uh, Cinema Score gave it an A minus. Um, it was put on multiple uh, uh, multiple year-end top list. ten year end lists. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it four out of four. Um, it was universally praised, uh, across the bar. Uh, it was, uh, uh, won golden globes for Martin Scorsese while being nominated for five other awards, best picture, best actor, best supporting actor, uh, for Jack Nicholson and Mark Wahlberg and best screenplay at the Academy Awards. As, uh, Otis said, it won best picture, best director, 
uh, best film editing and best adapted screenplay writing. Um, Mark Wahlberg was also nominated for best supporting actor, but lost, uh, uh, which is a travesty. Um, this was the first time that Scorsese won an Oscar after the pre after the five previous losses. Um, many felt that he deserved it years earlier. Um, and, uh, and, some felt he deserved it for his prior nominations. The win was described as a life lifetime achievement award for the lesser film. Uh, and But Scorsese joked that he won because this is the first movie I've ever done with a plot, which I think is hilarious. Um, I think that it is one of Scorsese's best, if not his best. Yeah, no, I think the best director award is 100%, you know, it's... It's it's not I don't think I don't think this one was like a gimme like sort of one where it's like, okay, Martin Scorsese, you know, we haven't given him one yet. So let's just give it to him for this one. Like, no, he legitimately, you know, deserved it. Like looking at it now, it was him, Clint Eastwood, Paul Greengrass for United 93, Alejandro Gonzalez Inarito for uh, Babel, which is Babel, which is pretty decent but Clint Eastwood for letters from no Martin Scorsese yeah that's probably the legitimately the best movie out of those nominations so and sure you could probably be like argue that you know he probably should have won it years and years ago he should have probably won it in say the 80s for fucking Raging Bull instead they gave that to fucking Robert Redford for uh, fucking ordinary people or even Goodfellas nobody Goodfellas lost to to Dances with Wolves and I don't know a lot of yeah. people rewatching Dances with Wolves. Oh, you want to watch a fucking hey, four-hour bore fest? I like Dances with Wolves, but Goodfellas, way bigger cultural impact, way bigger cinematic impact. Uh, I think it was just because yeah. everybody had I mean, Dances with Wolves fever at the time, and and that's why they they did it. But I, you know, I feel like this movie was is a summation of his powers. Um, that was, uh, you know. It's insanely rewatchable. He made something that was that was a greatest hits repackaged for the masses. It plays fast and loose like a blockbuster, but reads like um, an extremely controlled chaos and an innately smart construct. The plot is really tight. The writing is really tight. I actually feel like if you could switch though, in that in the Oscar wins for this, that I would have rather Mark Wahlberg win for for uh, best supporting actor, and then the editing be for something else, uh, or it could whatever. If I had to trade out one of the ones that they got, I feel like the editing is the one that could go because there are parts of this film that are kind of fast and loose and sloppy editing wise. Um, there are great moments. There are in, insane moments where Scorsese's vision is just brought to life by the pacing and the editing and the cinematography. I'm going um, to agree with you just because I looked it up and uh, another film nominated for best film editing that year and perhaps just one of the greatest edited films of all time, Children of Men. Yeah. See, so that to I'll, me, I will, I'll take that. If you give me Mark Wahlberg, I'll give you children of men. Yeah. Well, I, okay. ju- I, I, I just feel like, you know, like this movie, I think some of the sloppiness and the fast and the chaoticness of it is what makes it 
it gives it kind of authenticity and it gives it movement and it gives it, mm. uh, you know, but like, for example, in the start, there's a part where when just before he says, you know, uh, when for uh, Costello says to Sullivan, young boy, Sullivan, you know, the church tells you, you can be a, a cr- criminal or a cop. What I'm saying to you is when, you're looking at a barrel of gun, blah, blah, blah. That part when he's saying the church tells you da, 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 he's walking forward and he has a smoke in his mouth. And then it switches to his face from the point of view of young, young Colin Sullivan. And it's looking up at him and he says, you know, uh, when you're staring at a loaded gun, what's the difference? But the smoke is gone and he never, you never see him pull it up and take, like there are moments like that throughout the film where he, where things the continuity or the way that the space is created or the editing, the cuts are a little jittery, little chaotic, little fast and loose, lazy. But then there are moments where it's so tight and so well oiled and like definitely the Marty Scorsese tension and, and uh, creating uh, immediacy and emotion through the editing and the kind of dance he does and the very, very constructed and specific choices that he makes. Um, so like, I think that, you know, uh, well, obviously, and it wasn't just him, it was the editor as well. Um, who, uh, 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 Thelma Schoonmaker, um, that she, she did that as well. They were doing it together in tandem. Um, but, but I just feel like that, that if, if you could give Mark Wahlberg that, uh, Oscar, uh, I think he, I like him way more than Alan Arkin for his role in little miss sunshine. Again, as you said, great indie film and he did a good job, but I think that Mark Wahlberg will be probably known forever for them, (laughs) for For this movie. Yeah. For this like, movie I mean, and- just the one line of somebody's like, so are you going to give me your undercover? He's like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, just That's that so line. Good. Fantastic. I love it. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, another classic line. Uh, Jack Nicholson, as he's walking out the bar, he's like, how's your mother? And one guy's like, she's on her way out. And he's like, we all are. Act, Act accordingly. accordingly. And that was the end of... Uh, of the original version of the big bounce. No, of, uh, of, um, heaven receded. Remember I threw that, oh, yeah. that clip at the end for live shows. How's your mother? Oh, she's on her way out. We all are act accordingly. That just everybody That's in this, everybody in this movie is killing it. It's like my f- favorite Scorsese movie because he, because of everything that we've, we've, talked about like I, we can talk this around and around in circles but you know if you haven't seen it see it if you like scorsese films and you like scorsese as a director and you like all of these actors or you like crime films thriller films if you haven't seen it watch it it won the best yeah. picture it, it you know it's it's a banger i don't know what else you want from us not saying that the I oscars mean, matter well, if you know, if you don't like any of the gangsters, you know, rat sort of stuff and the sort of um uh you know how this movie, you know, deals with themes of identity, not only is it dealing with, you know, super alpha machismo fucking dudes in the gangster and police sides of things, it's also the interesting theory that I thought was an original idea. It turns out it's not. That um, there's one constantly that Frank is gay in this because number one he grooms little boys, 
and you know this that kind of thing and then you know he also grooms that girl too from as from a teenager and then as he's older he doesn't seem to uh really have sex with her as much as she puts herself on display he's kind of she's just kind of there to keep up appearances and then there's also the idea of that you know he uh owns owns a porn theater that's really weird because porn theaters are usually you know where sort of dingy sort of you know gay stuff goes down like very underworld like weird stuff goes down especially by men um so, and then he, why does he have a giant fucking dildo? Why does he have that? There's so many things. Well, uh, also the, also the 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 fact that he's based on Whitey Bulger, who is widely said to be bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Whitey I, Bulger I don't... also Whitey Bulger died in the wildest way. He went to prison while he was wheelchair bound, and then got beat to death by a fucking padlock in socks, and they gouged his eyes out and like cut his tongue off. And that happened, he was like 70 when that happened. That's insane. Jesus. And then, and then there's the super, the Matt Damon stuff. Okay, at the beginning, Matt Damon is so overtly, rampantly homophobic. It is unnecessary. Like, there is seemingly no reason for this shit. Because it starts with him just like, you know, being like, oh, queers, whatever. Then, you know, progressively, he just gets, he goes, you know, he goes through the rigmarole of terrible, uh, you know, homophobic things to say, whatever. I, I, I was going to do a Boston act. I'm not going to do it because that'll, I'll just get into the character and say some terrible things. And it's not about that. It's about the reason he is so abhorrently homophobic is because he himself is gay. He is a gay character because everything he's doing is fake. Everything he's doing is a character. Him pretending to be a cop is a character. Him pretending to even like Vera Farmiga is a character. He's impotent. It that's the whole thing in the fucking movies yeah. that he's impotent and like well, that's that's that leads to the very the not so subtle suggestion that the baby is Costigan's and not his. Yeah. And then there's also the kind of weird relationship that he has with why does he and then he calls him father and like it's very it they have rather than a a father-son relationship it that almost plays more like a sub-dom relationship yeah and i think that's something that a lot lot of people have brought up you know matt damon's character as you said he puts up a lot of fronts He's got this machismo that that is obviously not real as, as seen from the last scene in the or from the last scene with Costigan in the elevator where he starts crying. Um, you know, he's a very smart, very driven uh, and talented at lying young man, um, but he is unable to. Uh, he has erectile issues during uh, during sex multiple times with with Vera Farmiga's character. Um, and with coupled that with the whole Whitey Bulger being kind of bisexual, the character based on Whitey Bulger and the weird relationship they have and the grooming of young boys and, uh, and you know, just yeah. uh, there's subtle hints there's just, throughout the film yeah. that kind of like point towards they might have a relationship together that's beyond just, you know, uh, beyond just, and also why he was so, 
you know, he's really uh, Sullivan at the end is like, did you tell them about, about me? Did you tell them about us? Did you say anything about me? And it kind of comes across as like, I don't know. There's like a weird kind of sub subtext, sub energy there. Yeah. And it's like, this movie is so much about machismo men and them putting on identities. That's like, that that subtext has it's got to be there like i i don't know i i i'm sure somebody's got have had to have asked scorsese at some point about and, this. and i'm sure that there are fan theories that you can go and find on the subreddits or i mean yeah i googled people. there's like multiple subreddits and i was going to go read some of them but then i was like no i don't want like i don't want to go in and start spewing somebody else's opinion because it's something i legitimately never even thought of until this viewing it's like and like this viewing it wasn't like something subtle that i picked up on i was like oh no this dude is overtly gay like this is a a man deeply in the closet. Like this dude is barricaded in a closet. Like this dude is putting up so many fronts. I was like, Oh shit. Like, I don't know. And even Frank, like, well, Frank, you can just be like, no, he's just an eccentric, crazy guy. But it's like, I don't know. I think Frank's maybe by. Yeah. That's, I think that that's the point that, that I think that that's, I think that that's the case. I think that he just, he's just, he's Frank and he's going, he's, he's, He's a psycho, he's a bisexual psychopath who's, who's cares about power and cares about self-preservation. He even says in the, in the, when he speaks with Costigan in the restaurant, he says, I don't care about money and I don't care about sex, but I like them. I enjoy them. I don't need them, but, but I like them. I like what my power affords me. I like my ability to, you know, to have make money and to be who I am. No, he's or Costigan says, I, I wouldn't want to be you, Frank. And and Frank says, yeah, yeah. He- heavy wears the crown type thing. Nobody else could be me. And like, I think that he's so built into his own kind of like s- psychopathy and, and, and vision of himself. And, you know, it's just, it, I think that Frank Costello is one of the, very interesting and iconic Jack Nicholson roles. I mean, Jack Nicholson always picks roles that are, uh, you know, not non-conventional, but just the way that he acts in this film and the character and how much he himself brought to the character and the, the kind of whitey bulger stuff. There's so, this movie is so good. I just, I think that, uh, Otis, you, you're, you're messaging me about it. When you first said it, I thought for some reason you were talking about the monsters from monsters, Inc. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then I realized, Oh no, he's talking about this. And, and, and it just so happened that in doing the research for this, I found other people who, who, uh, felt the same way. And this is a conversation that's, that's being had. And I definitely see it as a possibility. It's, it's, there is a subtext there that is definitely, you know, there's something about Sullivan and the, him, you, as you said, barricaded in the closet and the way that his relationships are and the way that he handles himself. It's all very, uh, you know, and this is us kind of reading into stuff. Uh, but I think it's a very interesting uh, conversation to be had, especially with Scorsese being, you know, a lot of his films deal with um, Catholicism and Catholicism hasn't necessarily been too kind to uh, marginalized groups like the LGBTQIA people. 
Um, so it's really yeah. interesting if there's a conversation to be had there. But we are coming up on two hours. It is past 10 o'clock. I have not eaten yet. So what right. do you say we close this one down? Unless you have any other very yeah. prescient thoughts about it. No, 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 no. I got it. No, no. I have nothing else to say about The Departed other than it's one of the most quotable movies. Everybody is on the fucking A game. Says he's fucking out here. We didn't even get to talk about the X thing and how every oh, murder yeah. there's an look X. Up, which, look, you yeah, know, look up the X thing from The Departed. It's really yeah. cool. It's it's and Scorsese there's also being Scorsese. The DMX thing. There's some DMX in the movie as well, which also <laughs> is fun. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, you know, shout out DMX. Yeah, and this peace. is one of because uh, you know Scorsese. He has a classic from every decade, and this is undoubtedly his classic from the 2000s. Like even though you know Gangs of New York, like if we're talking Gangs of New York, The Aviator, and The Departed, his three movies from the the aughts. Like The Departed is a fucking yeah, it is his classic. I mean, that, those are three three great films movies in a row. Like, damn, he has so many good runs. Like in the eighties, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, After Hours, Color Money, Last Temptation. Well, there is Christ. a reason. There is a reason why wow. Scorsese is revered by filmmakers all across the world. There's a reason why uh, Bong Joon Hoon, when he won his uh, 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 award Oscar. for Parasite, his Oscar mm-hmm. for Parasite, he thanked Martin Scorsese personally um because you know scorsese is just one of the uh most important filmmakers of the modern film era and this movie is incredible incredible film probably my favorite scorsese one just a banger Mm -hmm. and uh yeah this this is the third time we've talked about scorsese we've done irishman gangs of new york departed which are all within the last 20 years so i feel like next time we do scorsese which we definitely will be this this is We'll always talk to Scorsese. We'll never stop talking about this man. I feel like we'll do something, one of his earlier things, probably 70s or 80s. But uh, for now, this is, has been our uh, uh, bi-yearly Scorsese update, I yeah. guess. <laughs> the Scorsese cast. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we don't have a whole lot else to say. Uh, we are not doing any movies for the next two episodes. We're actually going to do kind of... Uh, Two, two sides of the same coin, two Canadian musical artists, uh, one of which uh, we are doing, we're going to record at my cottage next week, and it will be dropping uh, uh, probably on Sunday or Monday uh, instead of Friday. And we are going to talk about one of my favorite Canadian bands, one of everybody's favorite Canadian bands. If you're Canadian, we are going to be talking about the Tragically Hip. And then the following Friday, we are going to do a topic that I never thought we would actually talk about but you know what there is a lot to talk about there he is the six god he is the boy we are doing a podcast on drizzy drake and i'm very much looking forward to talk about yeah. both we're um, gonna go deep hard on the man aubrey drake graham <laughs> we're gonna go from the chairs to the dance hall and uh yeah and then obviously you know if if you're any americans listening um Listen to the tragically hip because y'all fucked up by not putting this band on. Like y'all fucked up. I mean, I'm happy to say like tragically hip is 100% a Canadian staple and that like the band never really made it big anywhere else except for Canada. Like in Canada, they are gods, but outside of Canada, they're nothing. Yeah. If in, you're within 
within this vast, beautiful country, which I love so much, Gord Downey and the boys are fucking gods. And if you say anything to fucking smear the grave of fucking Gord Downey, it's on site. Yeah. It is on site. We I'm pulling to... up with a bunch of rednecks and fucking lumberjack <laughs> shirts and a bunch of beavers with hockey sticks, and you're getting fucking put down. All right. Let, let's just say, uh, for those who are listening who are may, maybe not Canadian, if you do not know the Tragically Hip, uh, Gord Downey, the singer and songwriter, recently passed a couple years ago, and uh, they did one, he found out he had brain cancer, and they did one final tour, and uh, on the last show of the tour, our national uh, television channel live streamed the tour, and our country shut down. Yeah. Uh our, our entire country shut works closed early uh cities gathered at their city halls people gathered in venues yeah they showed across it the, in like waterloo square yeah they showed it in waterloo square square in downtown toronto in kitchener in guelph everywhere literally every like this city. is the equivalent of like the leafs being in like the stanley cup which that's also very canadian this is the it was essentially like the fucking boston red sox winning the world series like fucking huge but on top of that, they just rip. They're a great band. They're a great uh, uh, gateway into Canadiana, and they are fantastic musicians and make really great music. So, yeah, you drop the ball, not letting them come come down or or whatever. But we'll we'll introduce you to them. We'll we'll get you hip on the hip next week, and then we'll talk about the boy Six God, Drizzy Drake, wheelchair dr- wheelchair Jimmy. Uh, you know, we'll talk about him and it's two sides of the uh, Canadian Canadian megastars coin, you know, or octahedron or whatever shape it is. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, fuck is a loony or a toonie? Toonie's round. A loony is a there's like twelve sides on that thing. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, we're we're gonna talk about two great musical artists. So yeah, the hip. Obviously gonna bang Drake. Obviously gonna bang, and then uh, we don't know what we're doing next, but we thought we'd give you a heads up. We won't be dropping next Friday. It'll be Sunday night or Monday, and then we'll be back on Fridays. Uh, thanks for listening. If you haven't seen The Departed, go watch that. Shout out Martin Scorsese. You can follow me at P L M R D R on Twitter at P A L M R D R. Wait, no, sorry, at P A L M R E A D R on Instagram. Um, where can they find you? Uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Otis Morris Dude. Um, yeah, just talking shit, posting dumb stuff on there. And uh, yeah, if you, uh, I didn't really get to say much about the movie premieres, but if you were able to come out snow blinded or regicide over the past two, three weeks, thank you so much. Those are both fucking blasts. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully you'll be seeing those movies more, hopefully. There will be more screenings of those. And uh, if so, I'll let you know. But uh, thanks if you came out and thanks if you supported. And thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, leave a review and stuff on wherever you listen to podcasts because that stuff helps. Yeah, give us so. give us a review. And if you want us to, uh, you know, if you want to, to, to clue us into anything, put us on to anything. If you have any, you know, you want to chat about stuff, hit us up on social media or email at us at birdprotocol.com. Or, yeah, birdprotocol at gmail.com. My mind's going a little bit wonky because I haven't eaten yet. But uh, yeah, we'll be back. The hip next episode. And then Drizzy Drake, thank you for listening uh, and always initiate the protocol. Peace.
You rat.